Welcome to the Arrestor Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest All Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. I am your host. This is the Illustration Limited podcast celebrating original thinking and creative innovation. You probably know the drill by now. I'm going to reel that thing off every time, but it kind of keeps the consistency right. Today's guest got me really excited. Um, Don Letts, to anyone who knows him, is a really cult figure, uh, particularly prominent in the punk and reggae scenes of the 1970s in this country, in Britain. Um, it's a, quite a funny story about how I met Don, which we'll go into in a moment, because uh, this is quite a short episode, which I'll also explain why uh, I was very lucky to even get Don on the show, and it's the usual kind of ramshackle sequence of unpredictable events that brought this whole conversation about. Um, so the story goes back a little bit, and when I first moved to Manchester, I left Preston and the relative safety of freelancing as an illustrator for three years, two years, two years, I think. Um, so I can't quite remember. Um, it's in the book. Go and read it. Cheap plug. And um, so I, I, needed, I needed a change. Preston quite quickly outgrows itself, and you hit a ceiling culturally, I think, if you want to do anything in the arts. So I looked for the next move and was looking at London and it quickly became apparent I wasn't going to be able to afford that anytime soon in, a, in the real world. Um, my studio collaborator at that point, Danny Allison, was moving out to Australia so it just felt like the right time, all the stars aligned and Manchester sort of surfaced as an option. I was quite happy in the northwest, so I jumped ship just down the road in Lancashire, Greater Manchester I guess now. and. I moved in with an old uni friend, Danny Skerritt, who we weren't particularly close friends. We played five-a-side on a handful of occasions. We shared the same halls, but we had different groups of friends because Danny, his name is spelt D-A-N-N-I, and he got placed on the all-girls floor of uh, the halls of residence, which caused a few issues in that first year, being a Londoner and all that, but we won't go into that. And he is a bit of a musical what's the right word he knows everything basically so I moved in with this very we didn't really know each other well so we moved in it turns out that Danny's come from a creative writing background he's got a degree from the University of Central Lancashire but all his life he'd been given this rich musical education by two parents who had quite contrasting musical tastes but actually took him under their wing more out of personal pride than anything else I think his mum was pissed off that his dad had started getting him into reggae and punk and all these other all these other genres and kind of took him on tour with Iron Maiden, which his mum was a roadie for Iron Maiden. How, how cool is that? And so what happens is he, you know, he gets dissuaded from music at school and comes all the way around through a creative writing degree, writing for theatre, poetry, he's written a lot of poetry, and eventually he's found his way right back to music, where he's now operating as Dirty Freud, who is an electronic musician and DJ, and we'll actually be talking to... Dirty Freud on the show coming up in a few episodes time but we saw the work that we were both doing respectively and Danny was sort of starting to review bands in Manchester to practice his sort of creative writing skills around his theatre work and working at the Odeon part time as it was and I saw what he was doing so I kind of tagged along to some of these these club nights that he goes along to or open mic nights and I wanted to I guess like most artists on the on the planet I wanted to work with the coolest bands around you know we've got so many famous partnerships over the years which we talked about in episode uh, episode five with Rob O'Connor 
you know, about the, the famous Blair and Style Rouge relationship and how that can develop over time. So I would go out with Danny and we set up a project called Quench Music, which basically put our skills together so that we could support new musicians and find access to the work we wanted to do. So one of the earliest things that we did under that banner was head to a day event called Unconvention, and it was run by Jeff Thompson um, in Manchester um, and a few other guys who, who worked with Jeff to make that possible. And Jeff's a wonderful guy who manages to get these um, these great names on, on discussion panels, do quite unconventional events there, no pun intended. And we just learned about this event on the scene in Manchester being quite you know a smaller place than London, people talk more. And we put together an impassioned email with no brand, no real idea of the structure of the company we just set up, no website, no money to do anything, and certainly not to buy the tickets, which were very fairly, fairly priced to industry, given the level of you know the, the caliber of things that were going on that day um so we we you know we had nothing we couldn't afford the ticket so we put together a press uh, application email and somehow it fell on you know on the right people I, I imagine jeff knowing jeff now he's quite relaxed he's quite casual and it must have resonated so we got a press pass for the day so we arrive at this event and we both quite hung over i remember this quite clearly this is in 2010 and within the first half an hour, we we snuck into the band area, which was off limits for you know the people who had the passes that we had. We should not be in there, so we we kind of crept in. And I recognised one or two people. I recognised recognised John McClure from Revenue and the Makers and a few of the bands that were playing there on the day. Danny knows more or less everyone because that's just the way he is, always on the scene and always knowing who's who. So I come back from, from the toilet and back into the band area and Danny's chatting to this guy who looks as cool as you, you can look. And it, I would later learn this is Don Letts and I have no idea of Don Letts. I have to be, I have to be honest. I, uh, he's a cult figure so he's not known by everyone and he certainly wasn't known to a, a musical novice like myself. So I go over and uh, start offering these complimentary biscuits around to everyone to try and belong to this place so that we didn't get kicked out, you know, figuring that if we looked like we belonged, then we would. And Danny's giving me absolute daggers as I go over to him and Don with his packet of biscuits, and I'm thinking, oh shit, who's this guy? I don't, you know, he gave me the absolute fuck off eyes, and I don't know who he's talking to. What? Ten minutes later, I would find out he grabs it to one side. He's like, "What are you doing?" And I was like, "What do you mean? What do you mean?" He's like, "I'm just being polite." He's like, "He's done lights. He doesn't want a biscuit." And in fairness, this guy's got like a white suit. Um, he's got dreadlocks longer than the floor, kept up in his hat, and he's just got this iconic look that you can't you can't miss. He just stands out in a room. So then I find out from Danny about the work that Don's done and it's a substantial body of work running right through the 70s, 80s, 90s, well into the millennium and even now he has, he still makes films, he has a show on Six Music called Culture Clash Radio and he's just a bit of a cool character and what happened was we got chatting to Don and, and I you know made notes of all the things we were talking about and said look Don we're setting up his project we're doing his website would it be cool to use what we've talked about here as a little interview and he's like yeah of course you can man you know do do what you want with the words and uh, just you know whatever just whatever and on the way out I said to Don um, have you got a business card mate can I grab a business card from you and Don looks around and, and sort of smirks and goes I've never used a business card in my life lad uh, and I'm not about to start now I've come this far without one um, I'm not a hard guy to find and just kind of 
starts you know moving away so i'm like oh yeah you know totally yeah no worries but if you got an email can I just put you know just grab an email off you i'd love to i'd love to just send you what we write check it's all cool so he laughs and, uh, and he drops me down an email which was quite fortunate at the time fast forward five years and i've mentioned previously on this show that i am collaborating at the moment with andrew cotterill music photographer and we're coming towards the end of a substantial body of work of our own um and it turns out andy's a big reggae head and where we're at right now we're sat down with a list of people that andy's never photographed um that we would love to give the treatment of this project to and we absolutely agreed that Don Let's absolutely it just must be in this project. There's no way he cannot be in this. The project we're doing is about musicians with uncompromisable attitudes, you know, people who will not back down from who they are, project that into their music in such a way that they've built these cult audiences over the years. Um and when you talk about that, Don Let's is absolutely key, he's he's iconic. And what happened was Don used to DJ at the Roxy in the seventies, which was I believe the first punk club. Um, and he saw this beautiful scene blossoming of people kind of rebelling and, and this DIY aesthetic. So in keep with that, he picked up a Super 8 camera, started to make these films, which would result in um, his debut film, which is called The Punk Rock Movie, and I believe you can check that out on YouTube. There's a lot more films from that era, and he introduced reggae to these guys uh, in the punk scene, and you know, I think if you know anything about that era of music, you'll, you'll see what happens. And... You know, he directed many, many music videos for a diverse range of artists from that era. Uh, you know, Bob Marley, who he famously snuck into his hotel room to get a chat with and became friends. Elvis Costello, Beanie Man. He worked with the the Sex Pistols. He was actually on one of the album covers for The Clash and would later go on to form bands like Big Audio Dynamite, um, you know, BAD, and actually, uh, you know, so much more going on. Uh, you know, bringing out acclaimed albums like Hometown Hi-Fi and he's uh, just, just relentless and like I say, he's still making the films now so we contacted Don and uh, I emailed him with some of the work and I sent over images of Chuck D, Lee Scratch Perry, Jarvis Cocker, guys that I knew that, you know, Don respects and has worked with in the past on various projects and to my surprise Don emails back, goes yeah, uh, I love it, you know, would love to be a part of that uh, do you want to come around my house? So, you know, to Andy, who's a, a massive reggae fan, and his son, Connor, who's who loves Don Letts, we, we didn't take much of an invitation, and the three of us went around there with our kit. We photographed Don. We spent the afternoon in his house and in his man cave, in his studio, and true to form, um, without any prior warning, I took along my recorder for this show and thought, well, I can at least, you know, try my hand. A filmmaker as cool as Don and DJ, I, I figured that you guys would love to hear, you know, from that wisdom from that man's mouth and I kind of cornered him and at first he, he didn't want to do it because he thought it was video and he just chipped a tooth that weekend and when you see the guy's image you realise he's you know he's got, an, he's got a brand to protect let's put it that way so uh, when I told him it was audio he, he just laughed and said yeah well, fuck it come on you know, let's do it what have you got <laughs> and luckily uh, I kind of you know I accounted for this potential scenario and wrote down the questions so the conversation you're about to hear is very much on the fly it's not as long as the usual shows for that reason because we were there to do a photo shoot and we were in Don's own personal time 
but I think you'll agree it's a fast furious conversation it's intense and we cover a lot of bases and you might hear Andy Cotterill jump in who was in the background and it turned into a bit of a group discussion but I, I hope you enjoy it as much as I did it was an absolute honour to be around Don's house so Don if you ever do get to hear this thank you very much for your time and kindness and can't wait to show you guys the images that result in our project uh, with Don uh, let's get to it go on dry me <laughs> well is it I mean we've just come up okay what's the, what are you doing now let's start let's start now what are you working on at the minute or have you got what I'm doing at the minute is what I've been doing my whole life it's hustling yeah it's a creative hustle but kid, I don't kid myself it's a hustle nevertheless I'm in talks about various projects and uh, like Orson Welles once said you know 90% of what I do is hustling and 10% is actual filmmaking mm. so there's talk of a lot of things there's a personal Thing that I'm trying to get off the ground, which utilizes my Super 8 archive called Two Sevens Clash, mm. which looks at the relationship, the myth, and the reality of the punky reggae party. Mm. And I think it's the only <laughs> untold story of punk rock. Yeah, there's another personal uh, passion project I'm trying to get together, which is the story of DJ Derek, which was actually I was in the process of making mm. before he disappeared three months ago. I heard about this, yeah. So um, I'm in a bit of a quandary as to exactly what to do until we hear definitely what, what's happened one yeah. way or another. I'm guessing at this point it's obviously not going to be good news. And he's somebody I love dearly, very close to my heart, it and like I'm feeling it. Yeah, that's sad. It's um, so okay. So I'm I'm fascinated by my uncle has got this archive of punk um, everything from sleeves to original flyers to cuttings. He's a real collector, mm -hmm. and and as a as someone who's an illustrator and a graphic designer, that era of uh, sort of DIY. Image making yeah. blows my mind. Do you, I'm, I'm fascinated by the relation between that and the music itself and the whole DIY ethos. And obviously, you were, you know, quite, yeah. a, quite at the heart of what was going on back then. Yeah. Do you do you think that's something that was? Do you think it all had to be, you know, the image, the image side of things? Um, was it? Well, that wasn't. I mean, let's, let's let's be honest about it. I mean, image and music and the relationship between those two things and fashion. That wasn't exactly the domain of just punk. I mean, there's, there'd been a long established tradition of. You know, you look at some of the artwork of the album sleeves, I don't know, the early Who and the whole mod thing. Mm. There was a correlationship going on between the art movement and the music and fashion. So that was always there. I think the difference with the whole punk rock thing was the DIY thing, where no longer was, you know, doing a sleeve or making the clothes the domain of some rich middle class elite or people had gone to, you know, I don't know, had been privileged. Yeah. Basically, DIY punk ethos said... If you had an idea and you had the motivation, you could do this shit too. That's what it said to me. So when my white mates are picking up guitars, I want to pick up something too. I picked up a Super 8 camera and reinvented myself as Don Letts, the filmmaker. Yeah. I mean, for me, that's why punk has the lasting legacy it has. Mm. It's predominantly because of the DIY yeah. ethic, yeah. which is more relevant now than ever, funny enough. Well, it is. I mean, I was, I was going to ask you about that. What do you... What... Is, is there an equivalent now? Where I mean, do you think something needs to happen now? Because there seems to be a, a complete lack of. Oh any, um... fucking! Hell, don't get me started, man. I mean, it. I don't know what's happened, but from my perspective, I mean, the fa fact that people keep talking to me about punk, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. That was 40 years ago. Why hasn't something come along that's knocked it off its pedestal? And people are going, well, punk was cool, but what about da da da? Yeah. But da 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 hasn't happened. Mm. And you know, we hit the 21st century, and it was all about nostalgia, looking back, looking back. Yeah. Sad indictment of the last 40 years, I'd say. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck that's about. I've got the feeling the digital age and the internet, social media has got something to do with it. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, a lot of the movements like punk are the ones before happened because of 
how little we had, not how much we had. Yeah. And uh, definitely that uh, balance has shifted. Hence the drought, from my perspective, of anything exciting in, in the 21st century. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'd go to that farm and I don't know what the fuck is going on. Well, I think we're, we're swamped now with uh, this overload of noise because of the... the Stuff. Of digital age, yeah. Just, just, Stuff. Just, it's just constant churning. So they're in the Super 8... Well, that and, the, you, know, the down, you know, part of the downside of affordable technology is mediocrity because just because you can afford it don't mean you can fucking do it. No, it's... And there's a lot of people out there that really shouldn't be occupying space. Yeah. 21st century space is a big fucking problem right now because mm. good ideas get lost in ego and bullshit. Yeah, you know, so I'm quite, you know, I'm quite angry about the situation as it yeah. stands today. I, mean, I, I thought I, art was better when shit cost more. Yeah, I, I completely agree because it, people I, think that's an outrageous thing to say, but I could, I'd stand by the argument. Well, you, 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 know, know. you have to want it more. That's been my desire. That's it weeds out the, fuck the people that are fucking yeah, yeah. about. You have to you know fight I mean? for it. Yeah, I mean, the reason I'm sat here talking to you today, I, I met you uh, very briefly at, at Unconvention in Macclesfield mm. a few years back. Um, I mean, my friend and myself had just started working in music at that point, and and we we didn't have a website. We we sort of talked our way into there, and we weren't supposed certainly weren't, weren't supposed yeah. to be in the bands bit. But nonetheless, we got in there, and we then we got talking to you, and, I, and here we are, you know, four years on now. This stuff, I'm an illustrator, but I've got a passion for the creative industries, and I don't see enough um, burning desire. I don't see enough desperation, and I think there's well, a, there's the digital age and the internet has kills. It's removed the pain and the passion, and the truth of the matter is that pain, that passion, that struggle mm. is an integral part of the creative process, yeah. and that's what it's done. As much as it's facilitated things, it, what it's given in one hand, it taketh away with the other. Yeah. And basically, the bottom line is this, is that I keep telling people this line, it's my favourite line, technology is great, people are shit. What's happened is technology has evolved far more than we have. We haven't really changed that much from the days in the cave, and our basic daily urges make us do all this stupid shit that you see happening in the West. Mm. But, I mean, if you look in somewhere like Africa or even the Arab Spring, you know, things like Facebook and uh, Twitter, which I, I don't use either, actually, but I know that they were integral parts yeah. of getting messages out there and the internal struggle. You look in the West and it's all bullshit. Yeah. Well, it's so a, the it's problem with technology, for, it's the people. It's a vehicle for necessity in, when, in that context. It's, like I, I say, it, technology is great, people are shit. It's what we do. And we've yeah. been hit for six by technology. We're slightly yeah. overwhelmed. And the shit will work itself out. Mm. I think maybe the kids that have grown up with it as a, their very first language yeah. will come out of it better than we have, I mm. think. But it'll I, work itself out. I think yeah. we're about to see. I think we're about, about to see a little bit more desperation in society, particularly. I'm surprised in, in that we classes. want more. I mean, I know one can fucking live in London. The kids come out of yeah. university with a fifty grand debt. Yeah. You know the, the refugee thing. I mean, there's a lot of things that, I, from my perspective, should drive mm. a creative movement, a counterculture. Yeah. But people don't even know how to spell that these days. I mean, count, there ain't no counterculture today. It's over the counterculture. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the fucking problem. Completely isn't it? true. So, so with your own filmmaking, so were, was that something born of your just seeing this amazing stuff? I can tell you exactly. Music? I mean, I remember being um, inspired by cinema and film as a child, like many people were, because it was our only escape, our only window to another world from a working class council estate. And uh, I remember being struck particularly by Harder They Come in like 1971-72, Jamaica's most famous film. And I was struck by the impact it had on me as an individual, its power to entertain and inform. And I had notions of wanting to be a filmmaker, but back then a black man being a filmmaker, ridiculous. It was an old boy network, white man business. Mm, mm. Couldn't see a way forward and then punk happened. Yeah. And punk said, yo, if you've got an idea and you've got the drive... You can do it too. And that's mm. exactly what happened with punk desperation and seeing things like 
how did they come? And other films, like films by Nicholas Rogue and Powell and Pressburger and other things I was impressed with, you know, Chandelure and fucking mm. Bunuel films and things, they got my creative juices flowing. So um, between that and punk rock, yes, here I am, Don Let's mm. Filmmaker. Yeah. I was going to say aspiring filmmaker. That's different. <laughs> I, yeah, because that's how I feel. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I, think fucking... I think you should. I think, I think they, you know, otherwise you're bordering on complacency, surely. Uh... You can never, very no room for complacency in this business, man. I tell you, every, I said aspiring because every time I go out and try to get another idea off the ground, it's like I'm nobody who's never done fuck all. Mm. Not Grammy award winning director that's done 30 mm. documentaries and 300 music videos and. I ain't done bad, I think. I think mean, people would agree. I can give myself that. Mm. But like I say, you go through the door these days, it's like, who the fuck are you, you know? Yeah. Well, this, uh, yeah. I mean, Mind you, it doesn't help that the commissioners are half my age. <laughs> I'm, just say to you, I'm surprised that happens at all. It's you know, a trip. Through the door. People say to me, because I don't do the Facebook. Wait, right, if you like... get through the door, that's a result. It's yeah. the emailing backwards and forwards. I get to mm. it. It's soul destroying. It's horrible. Yeah. You know, I've done my apprenticeship. Mm. Yeah, you know yeah, said to me about the whole Twitter and online thing, that whole social media thing. You know, get with it. The people are gonna because I'm 50 next year. The people mm. that are booking me are half my age, mm. and they're all doing Twitter. They're all yeah, no, no. Tell me about it. You ain't doing it. Yeah, I said I'm still not gonna buy into that. I'm not gonna do it. It's impossible for me. To do well, it. guess what? I'm in the process of somebody helping me do a website, and they're because uh, <laughs> literally somebody's doing it. I'm all right with the rest of it. The social media because you've just got to be constantly on it. No, well, I'm not. I, you, I've got things to do. I don't really want to no, do I, that. Well, basically, I've told him because he said. I've got to get foot, Facebook, but there's an artist page apparently mm. where you don't get involved in all that traffic. Apparently, is that right? Yeah, it fucking better be because yeah. <laughs> my wife's on it, and what I've seen looks horrific yeah. every day. It's bullshit. Yeah, it's, it's horrible. But apparently, there is this uh, an artist page where it's a bit more yeah civilized. Apparently, I don't know. It is. It's very much just you. You keep people abreast of what you're, what you're doing, but you don't get involved in that day to day. No, 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 none of that. That's, yeah, that's yeah. what I do with my artwork. It's yeah, just you know, yeah. I'll share another artist's work. I'll, I'll tell someone what I'm doing. Show me a shot of the studio. That's it. That's where it ends. It's like you know. Okay, there'll be a bit of good dialogue. You know, people and technology, man. Fuck, it's turning into a nightmare, isn't it? Mm. You know. But what I tell people is, and now because you've got this generation of people who've grown up with it, so they're ultra reliant on it. But actually. I mean, I've, I've emailed a thousand people in one go before and got you know two replies, but two conversations down the pub, and I've got jobs for life because yeah. because it's just that face to face. Well, that's another thing is I think important in the twenty first century is not enough of this yeah. you know collective experience. Yeah. Putting, I mean, in a weird way, the digital age has kind of knocked us out of sync with each other. Of course. <clears throat> Little silly things like a typical example would be back in my day. I was telling somebody to say there was three channels. So something incredible happened on TV. Chances are a lot of you saw it at the same time. Next day, you'd, you'd all be on the streets talking about it. Mm. That transpired into some kind of creative energy. Yeah. Now, if something happens on the TV, somebody might see it. Somebody might see it next week. Somebody might see it two weeks later. Yeah. I've got it in my drive. Okay, I'll t and, the, and the information's kind of fragmented. It yeah. might reach more people, but its potential impact and power is actually diluted. Yeah, there's no new and, yeah. and it's a modern problem. I think that we need to have more collective experience and we need to be more in sync with each other. I think, you know? I think we do, yeah. I think, I think the foundations have to be... And like I say, I mean, I am ultimately... Yeah, it's that technology thing, hmm? like you said, the, the availability of being able to listen to it up the road because you're too busy at that moment stops that connection. Yeah. yeah. I'll tell you yeah. an example, a recent one, and it's sad that it had to come to that, but when, when the riots happened, and <clears> I was in, living in Manchester at the time, and I was walking through town the next morning and there were two smashed TVs on Oldham Street in, mm. in the street. 
and there was that feeling that you get when it snows and all the mm. traffic stops and everyone actually starts speaking and it's a bit like it's almost yeah. like you need something so yeah, yeah. you know something negative like yeah, that to yeah. happen yeah. For it. and yeah. it's like you were saying about about things born of negativity and adversity yeah. like when punk happened yeah. because people you know needed this vehicle and it does it brings people together I think we're desperately but um, all this Tory cut stuff I mean the last time Tories tried all this shit I remember there was riots I'm not talking about the last one because of Duggan and it's not I'm talking about the um, when was it 80s 81, 82 in Brixton because I was right fucking there and that was kind of you know people don't realise that those protests that they focus on a load of black kids and white kids riding on the streets that was a protest against the government that was a protest against the fucking Tories Mm. you know that manifests itself in the cops copying it but that frustration that was born of like you know, years of neglect and further yeah. Tory cuts. It's always the root. When, yeah. when they come out and say, oh, it's a crackdown on gang culture, I'm tearing my hair out because I've grown up with lads from uh, estates who were great lads who just needed that little nudge into some a mm. positive channel for their, you know, whether it's, doesn't matter whether it's film, photography, music, whatever, that's not the point. <coughs> but, but they miss the point and it's mm. like, oh, well, what, you're cracking down on the end result. It's fucking... Yeah. It's, You've got to look at where it's coming from. Of course you do. And it's got to be, uh, it's got to start with the, you know, with the home and actually... If kids don't have that parental input to show them... Yeah, we don't get me started on that one. You yeah, know. No, got a nation of kids, boys raised by television, you know. Yeah, oh, that's what it comes down to. You know. uh, Absent fathers and all that stuff. There's, you know, you've got there's complicit guilt. You can't kind of just blame mm. it on the government. That's naive. Yeah. People have to look at their part in the problem, and a lot of it does yeah. come from the grassroots of fucking home and community. Yeah. Sounds old school, but it's a shit that'll make... It'll make it work, you know what I mean? If we ain't got that together, nothing else will work. It's mm. age. It's noticeable if you've been on a certain age in a certain scene where there's been a gap in that parental. Oh, yeah, you're talking about, and there's been a lapse, and that has been, yeah, shame on you, fathers, shame <laughs> on you, fathers, catastrophic, really. For what and you bloody done. girls that do it for the council flat. I'm not saying all of you, there's a few of you, you know who you are, shame on you, and shame on you, fathers, you know. Yeah. <laughs> So what's, is there anything that's exciting you at the minute, creatively? Music, art, anything? There's always something that gets me out of bed. I mean, what's getting me musically excited, listen to my radio show. Um, yeah. I mean, being broke keeps you keeps you focused. Mm. You know, I've got family and blah, blah, blah. Like, I live in London. I mean, I live in a city I can't afford to live in. It's a trip, this city, isn't it? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm new to it. I've been down here a year, but I'm, I'm loving the buzz, but at the same time... It's becoming an economically walled city. I mean, basically, it's going to be like... If you ain't got enough in the bank, you ain't going to get to play in the party. Yeah. And all the people that help run the city are getting pushed further and further afield. Yeah. It's going to end in tears. It really is. It's um, going to end in fucking tears. You know? What I will say about that is it's given me some real creative fuel. It's given me a real thread. Well, to, in times to, of crisis, to... that is when supposed to, you know, the creativity is supposed to fire. Yeah. But I ain't seen a lot of it. I've got to admit, no. there's this kind of... Um, I don't know, this trend towards it, the celebrity culture and everything's so mediocre is my it's problem. Horrible. It's hard to find anybody's got an attitude and, and an opinion. I ain't asking the people to throw Molotov cocktails, but somebody's got to call it as they see it. I, I think we're in a climate, I've been telling this, people, everybody this, Emperor's New Clothes is where we're at. Mm. And, but no one's telling the bastard he's naked yeah. and his wardrobe is really full up. And that's what we're, where we're at right now. Do you know mm. that story? The Emperor's yeah. New Clothes? Yeah, very loose, yeah. Yeah. No one's going, oh, you're naked. Do you know what I'm talking about? Everything's okay. And for anybody to do that, it would rock the boat. So they're not going to let you through the door. You know, to anybody that might upset the apple cart. Yeah. You know, I mean, because there are people out there. We can't write everybody off. There are people that realise that there's a lot of shit going on. But they ain't the ones that are going to be welcomed with open arms. Because once you open that crack, you'll realise, 
what a fucking sack of shit we've been putting up with yeah. for the last... I'd say for the whole of the 21st century, I'd go that far. Oh, I agree. You know? I agree, yeah. I mean, I was, what, 18 at the turn of the century? But it's, I, I, so, yeah, I've seen this gradual <laughs> lack of anything standing out, any real movement, any anything... Any counterculture. I mean, yeah. you know, everybody wants to be part of the cult, part of the, you know... Yeah. I, um, I, for my dissertation, I studied graphic activism, and it was something that was quite new to me at the time, but has very much been a, an influencer in my art. And but then, you know, the more I studied this stuff, it was it, again, it was going back, and it was finding these past examples. And I looked around me, and it, okay, you get Banksy people like coming through, but it's very few and far between. And so, in my film Punk Attitude, somebody said, back in my day, we used to get into art and music to be anti-establishment, but now people get into art and music to be part of the establishment, mm -hmm. and that's the crucial difference. It's true, you know. Yeah. I think there's a lot of truth in that. Yeah, I think so. You know, I people so. want all of that. Anyway, yeah. that's a long fucking talk. Yeah. <laughs> that's good, it's perfect, it's perfect. And just one last thing that I want to ask that yeah, I for the show, and I call it the shark in the tank. I just need to name a love, a hate, it could be a current thing, it could be a past thing, just something that, that either fires you up negatively or positively, anything at all. Uh... Anything from a poster to a record to a, anything. It's just something I always ask my guests. What fires me up? It fires you up, yeah. It could be pisses you off. It could be really gets you out of bed. Just anything at all. It could be right now. It could be an all-time thing. People talking inane shit in their phones in public places. Good answer. Mm. Fucking does my head really in. Really good answer. It's so uh, horrible. It's so ignorant. You know what pisses me off? I'm old enough to remember this advert where this guy used to be, it's good to talk. That was the advert. That was the punchline. It's good to talk. Yeah. Now everybody's talking. Is the world a better place? I think not. No. You know, what the fuck? I mean, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Just white noise, isn't it? That does my head in. Yeah. I mean, really. <laughs> Fires me up. A good tune. Yeah. Hearing a good new tune does it for me. Mm. Lifts my spirit, gets me out of bed. Yeah. I'm still a great believer in music. It's very much... Anything that's exciting you at the minute, musically? Oh, man. My next-door neighbour, Georgia. No bullshit. Not because she's my next-door neighbour, which I'm so glad I like her music. She's actually the daughter. No, I told her. I said to her face, I'm so so glad I like your shit, because if I didn't, it would have been really embarrassing, because I have to call it as I see it. She's the daughter of um, the Neil Barnes of Leftfield. Mm. And uh, anyway, Georgia, solo artist, signed Domino Records. Very exciting. Don Let's, everyone. How cool was that conversation? Um, I hope you enjoyed that. I certainly learned a lot and I felt quite humbled being in the presence of a man who has achieved so much in a creative career that I think everyone can learn something from. Uh, go and check out his work. I seriously recommend his Culture Clash radio show, which runs twice on a weekend, on a Saturday and Sunday night. It's on quite late, but you can pick it up on the iPlayer. It's Staple Studio listening for me these days and it's a great little way to find out a few musical gems of new and, new, new and old. Um... If you can check out my portfolio, actually, there's um, from the initial conversation we had with Don when we ran the interview, um, I went on to become featured in a Design Week lead feature in 2010, the same year, on designers working in music. And in the piece, you know, they looked at the relationship between artists and musicians over the years. And I was lucky enough to have two of my posters that I had art directed featured alongside Sir Peter Blake's work, uh, his Sergeant Pepper for the Beatles uh, album cover, which was uh, another honour. And they ran Don Let's front cover, my illustration that I did of him that day. So go and check that out on bentallon.com or on illustrationweb.com forward slash bentallon. Um, 
give us your fe- thoughts and feedback on Don. Um, you guys have been getting back to us more and more in the previous episode. Kyle Paolucci was uh, a wonderful, wonderful, interesting show. Some great stories about family members and growing up as a creative child and a work on Wow, a young movie. Um, so keep that coming at Arrest or Mimics on the Twitter. Uh, arrest or mimics at gmail.com uh, check out the brand new website over at illustrationweb.com there's lots of uh, new portfolios, more artists coming all the time, a whole new news section now so you can get a little bit deeper in all the projects and find out about this, the stories behind that um, and you know, get back to us on Don, uh, I hope you go away and, and learn about him and listen to him You um, you can actually go and read his autobiography which is out now I believe it was released in 2007 and it's called Culture Clash, Dread Meets Punk Rockers. Uh, You can read about a really vibrant cultural era in this country and worldwide all these people creating all this magic and I for one thing there's, you know, the arts and music are really crying out for some attitude at the moment I think there's a serious lack of balls in both and, you know I think we're becoming ever more and more consumed by by digital technology as Don talked about and social media and it's a dangerous precedent very valuable tools don't get me wrong if you use them correctly I'm quite prolific on them but I think you have to back that up with strong work with a strong personality and uh, a certain degree of lack of compromise you know I think it's really important so uh, again get us your thoughts on that and any other issues in the show and we'll look forward to hearing from you next time cheers guys You've been listening to a rest.